Welcome back to Chewing It Over. Another week. Got the wrong headset in there. Hopefully you can hear me okay. Drop your comments if you can hear us. If you're joining us first time, again, whatever it might be. Hope you enjoyed our fancy intro. I'm getting used to that now. But a really fun show on Friday. Um, got you guys participating in what would the key things be that you'd put into a clinic if you could only pick three items and stuff. I'm sure we'll do more of that, which would be good. Also put a, a live poll on uh, about what we're going to be chewing over today. A couple of uh, interesting topics that are kind of spectrum issues that I imagine we'll, we'll bring back up and involve more guests on. Because I've got some people that I really want their opinion to come forward on this show, um, which is objectivity versus subjectivity and the balance between those things you know namely clinical practice but also how that bleeds into almost everything particularly our views of, of research and and how that interacts so we're going to be talking about subjectivity and objectivity and the balance between those things also that we're then going to we're then going to start to uh move into the idea that someone had put to me on social media just end of last week uh, it was my anniversary this weekend and so i was uh, well this week it's been our anniversary and so i was just trying to uh, behave myself and and, and uh, more family time than than browsing uh, social media over the weekend and one of the things that came through was this interesting point about does our does the overlap and the association between msk practice and sport does that help and help or hinder and and that is something that the context is everything there. So I think there's areas in which it helps, areas in which it hinders. And I really want to get stuck into that for you. So there's two questions if you fancy giving them early doors. I really want to uh, get your opinions on is do you feel uh, as it as it becomes subjective and objective balance, do you feel one of the questions I posed? And let me see. Um, one of the things I wanted to try is um, see if I could see if I could share screen on uh let's see if this works see if i can get you uh sharing into here and if you can see this um uh, but if not let me read it out i'm wielding the blunt instrument that is a binary twitter poll this morning forced to choose gun to head no applied context to help which is a more of a problem than the other in msk industry right now excessive objectivity or excessive subjectivity early poll only i'll just put it up uh but uh yeah <laughs> as is amusing uh, the the uh, the discussion has shown us there that um, it's uh, it's neck and neck already. So I'm interested in your opinions on that. Um, and so uh, as as the uh, let me end that. Hopefully you're back. I don't know if you saw any of that. It doesn't matter. I read it out anyway. But basically it's neck and neck. Lovely little pun there, Matt Scarsbrook. Nice to see you, mate. You're all right. Subjectively, he's very objective. <laughs> the balance and the way in which that's worded is important as well. Let's let's get stuck in then. But the two things that yeah, I want you to pass comment on if you if you're listening live, uh, but also after the fact, um, there's lots of people that are joining us and listening to this in the evenings or uh, in the morning commutes, which has been really nice. Um, I want your feedback as to whether you feel how you feel things are balanced. Is the world being too subjective? Is the world being too objective? Uh, where are the mistakes? Where, what, in what context do you feel it's most appropriate? So I'm interested in your thoughts really as to that. And, and obviously this twi you know, Twitter binary is really silly because the context is really important as to whether or not something's excessively subjective or objective. But defining the terms is probably useful. So I'm interested in your thoughts on that. As well as then later in the show, we're going to talk a little bit about the uh, is it is it help or a hindrance the associations between MSK and sport and, and where can it be a, a negative or a positive so get your opinions in on that um, I'd be really interested in your thoughts but <coughs> excuse me but right so 
why are we even mentioning subjectivity and objectivity and why is it important and why might it be a recurring theme as I'm describing it? Um, I think one of the one of the reasons is that it seems to be that that in in our industry or, or clinically in healthcare, there's been a rightful justification of subjectivity being something that is super important on assessment because of course the the narrative that you're able to elicit from a patient is rightly being lauded as being not a primary if you were to just objectively assess someone that you weren't then talking to or hadn't really teased out any sort of history um from then the limitations of objective testing in, in, in a in a special test sense in msk or even if we take it outside of an msk context you're not necessarily getting the understanding if you would just sort of lay your hands or use your eyes or assess someone without talking to them. It's hugely limited. And so rightly so, the subjective history taking of, of a patient is something that is given a real primary role. And, and, and people argue that, that that and then the pattern recognition that comes for it is your objective assessment would be so strongly linked to that conversation you've had in a subjective history, uh, if you want to call it that, um, or eliciting the the patient's history you might not even call it a subjective assessment is the primary but that's not necessarily what that question is about whether or not the the industry at large is being subjective so another example whereby so in my first example subjective history taking suit certainly taking a primary over objective um, or, or being um, front and center of, of your care delivery and why it should come first is fair but then the the main issue that that people seem to want to me me to discuss and why i think it'll be a recurrent theme is because there are people that argue that the industry at large is being too subjective in that it's sort of being gut thrusting um and that it's sort of biased in, a, in an opinion uh, rather than fact or that instincts um, be that clinical or, or elsewhere, people's opinions are just in a situation where they are laying that through. And then I'd say that the opposite opinion is still fairly prevalent, which is that the world is becoming excessively objective, or the industry, sorry, in this instance, is being excessively objective in that it's trying to narrow people to statistics is the classic argument. So it's this idea of things being too empirical. That, um, that there might be facts of the matter on a population level or in a, in a diagnostic category in which the, the assessments find the you know, assessment categories for diagnosis is this, and then the treatment modalities that are indicated for different things are, um, that, that's when people think it's getting too objective, is if you're narrowed too closely around a population level fact of the matter, um, and some people feel that way. Now, <clears throat> taken too far in, in another example on a clinical level is that excessive subjectivity might mean that someone is open to literally anything in, in a treatment sense, right? So let's just park up uh, assessment for a second <clears throat> and say, and some lovely comments coming in, I noticed there as well, Mike and, Mike and Matt are having a bit of a back and forth about it. And Mike separated off assessment and treatment. We'll come back to that in a second. But in treatment terms, someone is excessively subjective in it, to the nth degree, they might well be that, well, you know, they are open to literally anything in terms of the treatment care delivery or, or the inference of what is relevant. And so they may well be using all sorts of witchcraft and wizardry um, and that there's no no um, evidential or objective measurable basis to their claims in such as what they're then doing might be that they've got a real big open toolbox of all sorts of, of craziness, of which I wouldn't support. 
excessive objectivity in treatment would be that you you're narrowly um, inferring that there's only a couple of things that you should ever be doing and it should be couched as to a, a set of randomized controlled trials that have then been systematically reviewed that then narrows because of this you're seeing someone with osteoarthritic knee pain therefore you should only have these two things that you should do and at this dosage and <coughs> excuse me tickly throat today um that would be the uh, an example of excessive objectivity as i'm describing it now this plays out really interestingly i'm going to bring some comments in because they're brilliant comments in a second and but this plays its way out in society as well at the moment and i think it's one of the real wedge issues that seems to be occurring is you've got and another way of putting it would be and it's not these aren't perfect analogies but there's a, a huge rich value to understanding someone's lived experience and it's often been discussed and described both in terms of sort of patient narratives within msk but then also the lived experiences of various different forms of discrimination that's often a hot topic at the moment for for right reasons and i think that then sometimes the um the objective side uh, then comes in where people will then that's a that's a, a, a true n of one example that sometimes is, is then clustered and given as being representative of, of a sample and then you've got people that want to then look at the broad statistics of the matter it's not necessarily i'm saying that any of those are being over subjective and then over objective would be to look at data you want to do a mix of both of course but it's kind of that there's some people that favor one over the other on certain topics and if we can't find a way to create a decent nexus between those those two things i'm doing the I'm doing the ricky gervais there you see um a good mix of those two things then we are completely screwed as a society i mean i'm not it sounds dramatic doesn't it but never mind the msk industry if we can't recognize the value of understanding someone's experience in in a certain circumstance and then how that's made them feel and how that's relevant but we also can't recognize the the way in which the statistics play out to know if that's representative or not we can't have that conversation we are we are so screwed so anyway back to back to clinical comments uh, but i certainly want your opinions and the reason i'm shoehorning that in before i bring some of these comments out that are coming in on Facebook and on Periscope. Um, so thanks, and, and please do share more comments if you can. Um, is that I want your opinion as to whether or not I'm getting, I'm thinking that the, the clinical is, is relevant. Uh, it's only relevant to the clinical, or, or am, I, am I right in thinking we're struggling and talking past each other on the uh, broader level as well as a society where people, some people are, are wanting to sort of lean just on the subjective lived experience and then others are wanting to lean only on the sort of population level data and that they're talking past each other i, I feel like i'm recognizing that more and more um right mike james had said on assessment he feels that we're being too objective on treatment too subjective so that's brilliant i think it gets unpacked a little bit later um matt scarsbrook has then said he feels is a great move forward in his opinion for a sector oh no he's, he's adding to a previous comment i've mixed these up sorry so he said being a bit more serious then he's first uh, subjectively and being very objective is what he first said but being a bit more serious i'd say that our area of work which is soft tissue therapy is becoming far more focused on subjective assessment and moving away from the older objectivity around biomechanics and more into the client's experience around their pain and function and that's what he was saying he feels would be a uh, positive move forward in his sector and i would agree with that as well I mean, it's, it's interesting though isn't it because leaning into the subject uh, subjective assessment might have been might have been come to through object more objective analyses of the science um that then means that we now understand the mechanisms of effect underneath interventions that makes people realize 
that they need to move away from it. So these are all interlinked, and I'm not underestimating that for a second. But yeah, thanks a lot for your comments, Matt and Mike. This is where another great point here from Mike. He's then said, industry at large, he thinks is 40% too objective, 40% too subjective, and 20% is a happy balance of both. I think that's a, a fair a fair game of thirds there. Um, with with the, with the only 20% he's saying have got a happy balance. I think that's fair. I think it fascinates me, though, that um, in each of those camps at the moment, um, I would say that there's some that really feel that uh, the other side is, is is the one that are, they're doing the crimes, and uh, I feel like that is that is something that is a really um, narrow way of looking at things. Uh, and I feel that that's where that conversation breakdown that I'm concerned about, not just in our industry but broadly, makes a massive difference. Is that if people are making somewhat polarized mistakes, you know, it's not like they're making the same mistake or they're making associated mistakes that end up in a very different place. If they can't find a way to convince each other of a middle ground, or we can't come from the center and, and persuade people towards each other and to, into a sensible balance, then then we're in some trouble because there's some real validity to, to both, right? If you, you get carried away on either of those themes on a spectrum, then that, that is going to be, I think, is, is certainly a, a real recipe for um, poor practice in a clinical level. And then, you know, broadly speaking, it's a real breakdown in sense-making and civil discourse if we can't find a way to speak a, at least a similar language or at least value those two things, valuing someone's lived experience subjectively as well as the objective data that might surround the, that theme or topic. I feel like it's, it's super important. I'm interested in your thoughts on that, whether I might be getting carried away on uh, on that theme as to whether I'm drawing that conclusion and, and saying that maps onto to wider society more than it does perhaps. Um, Matt Scarsbrook, in, in reply to Mike, has then said, as the treatment is based in the clinicians and patients' preferences rather than the evidence base, if so, whose preferences do you think are more pandered to? That is often a, a massive thing where how do you draw a line between what is subjective and objective if it's a sort of subjective experience of the patient uh, is then being overvalued or is the subjective experience of the clinician's perception of what they need being overvalued, then is that still a failure of subjectivity? Or is it that the clinician is bringing their perception of being objective or using sort of evidence-based statistically informed methods to that consultation and they're wielding excessive objectivity through their opinion submitted and transmitted through essentially them indulging in their own subjective bias it's complex of course and that's why it's not a spectrum it's a complete mix and melting pot whatever analogy we want to use so yeah fascinating uh, topic and why you know there's no way we're going to conclude this now but i just think that it's definitely something we need to think about better we need to discuss the oohs and ahs of it and, and also there's so many different little contexts that we could bring to bear and talk about how in certain circumstances it's smart to lean one way or the other or how it's integrated and as mike said you know you can draw some uh, percentages across different parts of it and you could even say in certain body parts we're better at it than others you know in certain body parts we're sort of uh, recognizing the uh, sort of where we've got better data people might sometimes feel it can be a bit more objectively informed by statistics and other empirical scientific methods and then other things it becomes more of a gut thrust because of the nature of what's presenting or the the nicheness of the present presenting case and so i think it's something that that, that i find fascinating where there's certain areas certain body parts certain injuries or certain circumstances if we go beyond clinical 
that are more informed can be more informed by data because the data is either more readily available more more open more understood um than it can be other things you know you people's um subjective versus objective balance of how they reason in persistent low back pain i would i would argue that this, it's just going to be a diff you've got different rationales than you would for a popliteal aneurysm someone comes in presenting with posterior knee pain and your suspect your suspicion of of a popliteal aneurysm um you're going to be granted just reasoning with you know the the data that you're going to be bringing to bear statistical data that you're going to be bringing to bear on that in terms of what the the, the known treatments are well, I mean, in this instance imagining you're a clinician that, that therefore has a plethora of different treatment options in both instances which you wouldn't and the, the latter part of course if you're suspicious of that you'd be moving it on but say you were someone that uh, for a thought experiment had options of treating those things one is just much more common and therefore common in the literature than it is the other. And so recognition, apart from that, you know, you, you may well be limited in terms of your, your understanding of, of what it is that will, will happen. Say you're moving that patient on to see a vascular consultant or A&E, what's the outcome of that? What's going to happen? You might know less about that in part because it's less common and in part because it's less prevalent in the literature. And that matters. And so I think it, it's huge. The, the context is super important as to whether or not things are subjectively or objectively biased and uh and and certainly i would say that 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 is where the interesting thinking happens is when you bring some specific context to bear so second thing i wanted to chat about today uh, i really love your opinion on i mentioned it at the start for those that have been watching live and i really do want your 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 take on this because it's another one where the, the context is king is is uh, i was asked do i feel that the overlaps between msk and sport are a help or a hindrance and i've got a couple of examples it's not going to be exhaustive in 10 minutes but i definitely want your opinions on this one area in which i find it a hindrance is the um, association to people thinking that the that the best care would be anything that simulates or emulates elite care and that's most obvious uh, especially when i was in um still applies in private practice now but when i was uh, i was working as a, a extended scope practitioner in staffordshire as part of the ipop service for half time uh, for a great few years in my career um, until about two years ago and that was a role in which people were want sometimes wanting imaging and craving imaging because wayne rooney had come off the football pitch you know, and and uh, and and been injured and then they were saying that he's gone for a scan well within within an hour of his injury or what have you and the perception was that that was the the way in which it was going to be understood everything about his extent of his injury the prognosis of it was going to be dictated for by this scan meant that the patients will then sometimes crave that and assume that the only reason that they're not being compliant that, that we're not being compliant as clinicians with that demand is purely as a cost thing in the nhs or what have you or that um, that we were that anything less than than Rooney's care and and, and in every which way was purely a compromise. So that's the, the the best, and then everything's down from that. And so I think that the association that people have, you know, lay people, amateur athletes, um, you know, some professional athletes, <coughs> will sometimes make um, leaps in that direction when their bodies are rather different in in many ways um to to elite athletes they're similar in many ways as well of course same species usually uh, um so um, but i think it's relevant and that's where an area where i feel it's it, that that is a problem it's not something that can be correct easily but it's definitely a problem on the other side where 
that has helped is that our aspiring to functional and rehabilitation um, in, in, in using analogies that then help people understand. I noticed my signals dropped off there. Um, apologies if, uh, if I'm glitching. Um, this uh, uploaded to all podcasts and stuff, and uh, and the, the recording glitched. If you're not getting me now, then uh, but yeah, the, the area in which I think it's uh, is that in example of uh, moving through an area of, of, of being incapable through to being capable or, or less capable than improving their own function. I would say sporting overlaps with MSK and official is certainly you can use those, you can understand marathon, not a sprint, even as an people can the Fact that you try to adapt over time to be able to do tasks, one size or low, or just exertional strategies as a means of care. That's helpful to um, use and understand an exercise. To it. So that's a really where it's value that's significant. And I'm pleased that we, um, but there are the negatives that I've mentioned there to plenty of others so what are your thoughts is it a help or a hindrance i can so many examples to help and many examples where it is a hindrance you know i'm not going to be able to be convinced that it's been a net good or net bad really i think that it's individually specific as to whether or not it's significant linkage to between ms court um is for good or bad uh, another one that I would I would throw out there, which is sort of can cut either way, is the um, way in which our styles of care, styles of treatment, particular times, then significantly overlap in such a way that can be misleading. So the utility in recovery, for example, culturally embedded within uh, sport, is sometimes real uh, real help. People can associate a, a process of natural uh, a, a relax that, that maps onto sort of social norms and then the other side sometimes people that you're almost doing some sort of specific tissue preparation or that the the mechanism of effect underneath the massage intervention that gets associated to stress uh, to, to sports so things like lactic acid flushing or or uh, realigning muscle fibers ahead of an event and things like that can sometimes be really misleading and, and, and sort of corrupt people's thinking um, as to because of that association between sort of sport and MSK. And, um, and, and so it can be good, it can be for good and for bad, even within the same context, which is, which is fascinating. So yeah, I'm interested in what your, what your thoughts are. So it looks like my signal's improved. And sorry if you, if any of you lost me there, uh, sometimes it seems to glitch more on some channels than others, but uh, I do apologize if you, if you missed any of that. We're just talking a little bit about um, whether the overlaps between sort of sport and MSK can be a help or a hindrance. And I'm giving examples of where it can be one, one or both of those uh, on any given day. And that's again, context is king. We also, you might see some of the comments um, that are coming in still about the subjective, subjectivity versus objectivity balance. Um, again, massively varies, but I uh, shared an opinion uh, sort of um, of a 
poll that's on Twitter that I put up this morning, which is fairly young. So have a look at that and, and weigh in on it as to whether or not the industry at large is excessively objective or excessively subjective at the moment. Um, obviously, massively uh, a biased question that relies, relies on context that isn't given. Um, but here's a, here's a lovely random thought from uh, Mr. Scarsbrook. If we become too objective, and therefore treat an individual based purely on population level data is not, not a form of discrimination, given that discrimination can be described as overlying a general population bias over an individual and treating them based on that bias. Absolutely, I would say. I think that's a great, great point. And it would be to discriminate and to associate any individual person with the mean of any trial arm. Absolutely. Now, one of the things that's interesting, though, is that when studied, there's been an argument for a long time with regards to population data, um, well, not population data, let's say trial data, whereby it's then suggested that the, the people in the tails of any distribution, so around the mean, that it's then you can have really poor responders, really hyper responders. If only you could find the people that then are poor responders, understand their characteristics, and therefore understand the people that have responded really well to an intervention, that the mean might therefore be under a p-value that means that it wouldn't be um, considered to be a, a beneficial intervention when the, you know, there's been some good statistical analyses there whereby often that is appropriately accounted for by conclusions um, that therefore it's not as if you've got these real hyper responders to stuff uh, that otherwise wouldn't have and, and didn't uh, respond to other things so it's something that it would be to 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 narrow someone's in, uh, to consider the mean more relevant to the individual. I think would be considered and appropriately considered uh, discrimination, especially based on population samples. Um, but I would also say that to not account for that that'd be certainly excessively objective and and bigoted in many ways. But I would also say that you to not consider any statistical data that you at least know of um, in that space, uh, particularly through trial data of, of decent quality or um, thematic understanding of, of um, even just basic science and mechanistic science and things. If you're not considering those variables when decision making, you're going to find yourself leaning excessively on, on sort of gut thrust. And that can be a good gut. Uh, you know, that can be someone that's making good decisions, pattern recognition, appropriate level of experience, that they're making good calls. But if you're not bearing in mind those other variables and considering what it is, both in terms of analysis and assessment, or it could be treatment and management of people, then that should be informing your reasoning. And that getting that balance between subjective and objective is, is of, of vital importance. So, you know, I'm not saying it's easy, but I'd say that's why I think it's something that will come up on this show and beyond uh, for, forever and a day. And I'd love further examples and potentially have some guests on to talk a little bit about their take on that matter, because I think it's one of the biggest things that people find challenging at the moment is when they're considering interpretation and understanding of research, I used to think that they were being quite particular about how to read a paper, et cetera. And it's like more often than not, it's kind of how do I integrate this into my work as a clinician uh, without it completely corrupting and, and distributing, uh, disrupting the, um, the patter I have with patients and how I actually, the heuristic in which I exist and, and reason. So yeah, fascinating, fascinating stuff. Huge thanks to everyone that's commenting. Um, apologies again, if you had a bit of a dropout in signal, it looked like it did drop off in the middle of it. Which is uh, which is a, a shame. <coughs> um, the uh, the the 
thing that I uh, definitely want to bring back up is, is uh, examples of which uh, MSK's association with sport can be um, a help or a hindrance. Definitely want to get opinions of various different professionals of, of different stripes as well on that. Imagine, you know, sports therapy, sports rehabilitation are actual professions and careers. Uh, obviously, I would want to strongly associate to being MSK therapist more generally. It's my language I use, but they have the sport in the title, so they surely have uh, opinions as to how it can help and how it can hinder, um, and I'd be well into understanding their take on the matter. But thanks a lot. That's been another half an hour. It's flown by. No guests today, but we've got guests later in the week. Um, certainly Wednesday's one to look out for. Jane Ashbrook's going to be joining me. Uh, he wants to talk about the challenges that are facing education at the moment with placements, etc. but also it's Jane Ashbrook, so I'm going to be picking her uh, brains as to some acute pathologies of the back and things uh, she's got a, a great she had an incredible career that uh, she's still having a great career don't get me wrong but i mean she was in, in an emergency department and, and working as an advanced in advanced practice at some of the most complex cases that ever present to any msk therapist and so i won't i can't help but uh, ask her that especially ahead of uh, a podcast that we've got with michelle angus that's coming out soon about acute low back pain and the management of that um, and how that varies depending on context, etc. Just a fascinating conversation that I had with her on Friday. So we've got that to look forward to. There's a leak for you. Uh, but yeah, join me and Jane Ashbrook on Wednesday. But certainly we've got shows all day, all, all this week that are great. I'm looking forward to the plans of that. And hot topics, anything that you feel you want, you want us to pass comment on, send in your ideas, send in your ideas for who we should get on and guess and volunteer yourself, volunteer your friends. And we'll see you tomorrow for more Chewing It Over. Well, that's enough for me. Let's see if I can not choke on the... Uh, the outro this time. All right, I'll see you tomorrow. Cheers, guys.